Hello, hello, hello. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning. You are tuned in listening to The Cinematic Odyssey here on United to the Moose. It's been quite a while. It's been a minute since uh, we've come on here, Max, and talked about what we've watched recently. I mean, last time we were here, we were talking about uh, what we saw in the past year, um, in 2023. But now it's 2024, so happy new year to everybody. Uh, although I think we did the last episode after New Year's. Yeah, we did. Uh, yep. So being redundant. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, it's good to be back. It's been a minute. Um, we're here getting back in the groove of things um, with some new big things planned uh, over the course of this year. But uh, yeah, I mean, let's, let's talk about Harakiri, this week's film from... Uh, Japanese, legendary Japanese director, Masaki Kobayashi. This is his um, 1962 uh, effort. Um, One of of several samurai films uh, that he's made, but his most impactful, influential, and arguably greatest, and, well, also most famous samurai film that he's ever made. um but yeah uh i forgot what i was gonna say after that i mean it's pretty darn good too i mean yeah yeah. i don't know if you touched on the fact that it was pretty darn good despite being also influential and you know pretty darn good (laughs) yeah no it was it was amazing um this i mean obviously for the, I don't know. I mean, he's his his filmography, or Kobayashi as a as a filmmaker isn't as well known as Kurosawa, which we've talked about several times on the on the podcast, um, before this, um, and he's a filmmaker that I've I really have been wanting to watch his his films, this one being one of them, and then also. Uh, he has a horror film called Kwaidan, which came out two years after this. And then he has Ooh. a he has a trilogy called The Human Condition, which is an anti-war film trilogy, which I actually have. I have it on uh, the Criterion Blu-ray. Um, and that's something I've, you know, from the moment I started looking at Letterboxd back in 2018, uh, and that film I saw... Uh, the human condition at the top of like the top 250 narrative features. I was like, okay, I got to see that. Uh, so I haven't seen it. It's been, you know, it's a long time since <laughs> I have the film now. I own it or films. Now I don't really have an excuse not to watch it, but, um, you know, I'll hopefully get to that uh, this yeah. this year. But uh, Harakiri, though, um. I gotta say, is probably the best samurai film that I've seen. Although, I mean, granted, I've only really seen two. I guess three if you count Ran, but I don't really count that as a samurai film. I don't think that counts. So I'm gonna just say two. Um. Uh. So this and Seven Samurai, obviously Seven Samurai from Kurosawa, the more famous Japanese filmmaker, uh, who who has had a more indelible, um lasting impact on the art form considering his uh 
wider influence. I mean, specifically with Seven Samurai, that being the quintessential samurai film that birthed the Western genre as we know it. Um, and, you know, that and all the other various films he's made that's also pioneered um, techniques and whatnot in, in the art form. But I think Harakiri as a work... Oh, I've also seen Rashomon. That's technically a samurai film, also by Kurosawa. But anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself. Harakiri, though, um, I must say I do prefer... I, I enjoyed my time more watching this than I did with Seven Samurai. Um, and I was a lot more enthralled with uh, the character, our main character, and his plight, his story, um, and his eventual... Uh, Kind of seeking of revenge at the end there uh we'll get to that but yeah this was yeah this was amazing um, agreed and you know to jump into it um a little bit about the the cast of characters here the most notable actor i think to come out of this cast and be you know a major player in japanese cinema for years to come he's actually you know get this still alive um name is tatsuya nakadai he was our lead in um harakiri uh as sugomo hanshiro the you know displaced samurai the ronin who visits the ee clan and asks for a place to commit seppuku, or harakiri, um, the disembowelment uh, of a samurai ritual killing to preserve honor and, and stature and status. Um, he actually was also, again, a major feature player in a lot of Akira Kurosawa films, including Seven Samurai, like you said, Yojimbo, um, and he played the lead uh, the King Lear character in Kurosawa's Ran, which we talked about like November of 22. And I, I mean, I think it's just impressive. I, I recognized his eyes. I saw it in his eyes and I'm like, that guy was in something that I've seen. So I had to dig through his extensive filmography and find it <laughs> somewhere down there. But I think like, again, I also loved this movie it it is slow it is deliberate it is i mean it we are presented like if you read the two sentence summary about the film before you enter the film you know basically what's about to happen a displaced samurai approaches a feudal lord and asks for a place to honorably kill himself that's that's basically what happens that's about you know 50 percent of it right there except the other portion of it is told through flashback um made me think a little bit of like a term that's used in theater sometimes a memory play not necessarily a memory play because it's not all taking place in the past but the idea of you have this scenario and then we're adding context to why each character is in the position that they are. Um, 
that was a, a term originated by Tennessee Williams with a play called The Glass Menagerie that's told in flashback and, and you know, looking back on the past. You know, I remember when, and then this happened, because half of Harakiri is story. And, you know, adding context to this very, very simple narrative that we're presented with at the beginning. Because I'll be completely honest with you, I had no idea how they were going to push out an, another hour and 45 minutes of this movie after the opening scenes. Like, Hanshiro appears in the courtyard, he asks for a place to commit seppuku, and then they, they kind of agree in like 20 minutes. Yeah. And then I have no idea where the heck they're going to go after that. And I was glued to this screen. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, when I, I don't, I wouldn't say I had the same reaction as you did, like in the beginning of the film when everything was kind of pretty much set in stone. But like the moment when he was in the courtyard, sat, you know, sat on the, 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 platform whatever and he's like wait a second before i do this though i gotta tell you the story <laughs> and, then, and then i was like oh okay bet and then it goes on for like another hour and a half and it's the most it's it's so enthralling and connecting all the pieces together because you know before he walked well i mean chronologically speaking within the film before he walks in we see another samurai requesting the same thing like hey i'm gonna i'm gonna do i'm gonna commit seppuku um preserve my honor and that's that's something also too worth mentioning and talking about is like i mean we'll get to it but we'll talk about it in more detail but um like society and these these grand ideas of uh being honorable, like not necessarily society, I guess it's uh, incorrect to generalize it in that way, but rather these groups, these groups of, of people that hold power uh, and that kind of determine these very ar arbitrary kind of ideas of, of, uh, of what is good, honorable in society. And that is sort of regressive because I think what this film is mostly about, really about is tearing down these like kind of these old ideas that inhibit um human um uh may, not emotion but uh i guess that inhibit um i don't know i what am i what am i trying to say i'm trying to say like I mean, I don't know, I'll get to it, but basically, like yeah. stopping stopping humans from being vulnerable with one another and trying to help each other out, I guess something to that effect. Empathy? What? Yeah, like a lack of empathy. I, I get. Uh, I mean, it go. I'll. I'll. It'll come back to me. It'll come back to me later. But, um, 
but yeah, I mean, we'll we'll get to that and have have a more in depth conversation about that. But um, yeah, um, uh, yeah. So samurai comes in before him, chronologically speaking, and asks literally tells the literally word for word says the same thing, same thing. Uh, verbatim <laughs> as our main characters or protagonists. And I'm like, wait a second, do these guys know each other? Like. What's going on here? <laughs> uh, lo and behold, they do know each other, but in the relationship that they have was, I think, was a pretty uh, interesting reveal. Um, I didn't, I wasn't expecting it to take that turn. Uh, spoiler alert: it's uh, his son-in-law, uh, the main character. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that either. So. Um, but yeah, uh, and then it just kind of goes from there and unravels in a very beautiful and um, clinical uh, way in, in telling their story. Yeah, And, you know, what I got out of it, if I want to talk about, you know, themes in here, uh, there's the idea of truth those in power controlling what is true and what is not true um there's obviously the theme of honor but there's also the theme of respect and i think that's that's a huge one because as um uh tsugumu hanshiro's son-in-law chijiwa he is ordered to commit seppuku. He is not given that one to two days to, you know, get his affairs in order. They were expecting him to do it right then and there. Of course, they didn't check his blades. Well, they did. They knew. But he does it with a bamboo sword. He, it is very... That is gruesome. That is painful. That is hard to do. To cut yourself open with bamboo. He was in a lot of pain as that happened. Um, and that was another thing that pushed Hanshiro over the edge, I think. That idea of, not only did you not have the empathy and the, res the, the respect to give him one to two days, because if a samurai says this is his word, this is his word, then also, you would have been respectful and not made him do it with a blade, an actual sword, not a massive plant stalk. And that's the other thing. I that's where I I pull the respect out of, because that that's cruel punishment yeah. from the EE clan. It really is. Yeah. Um. Yeah, absolutely. Because. Okay, now 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 I kind of remember what uh what I was trying to say, but yeah, it was the respect the respect aspect and tearing that down and reconstructing it because you know with the samurai and that whole samurai code and honor code that they that they have and being these noble gentlemen warriors or whatever uh, that live in this strict moral code. Um, being very stoic all the time and all these things and it's like this film dismantles that uh idea um very clinically um 
with with the protagonist um, and sharing his grievances through his story, um, which you know as it gradually progresses, it gets more and more depressing and a lot more uh, dire and obviously his his i think his reaction to that i think was was valid um and the way he went about seeking his i guess revenge revenge but also um i guess more so kind of trying to seek out a catharsis about his whole life because you know he's when you're a samurai uh you know it's kind of like a lifelong commitment you can't really uh say all right i'm done being a samurai you know because literally like the way to honorably bow out is to commit suicide <laughs> in this ritualistic way which is gruesome and brutal you know, like the ultimate, it's the ultimate humiliation, but it's like seen as this most honorable act because they all, they all, they're all like, okay, you know, we respect you for making this decision. And, but it's interesting though, that the, the clan doesn't, they don't, it, it seems like they're in control all the time, you know, even though the two char the two characters that come into the castle or whatever they're the ones initiating the ritual but it's not necessarily like um no one's pointing a gun at their heads and saying like you must do this but the clan the clan is like doing that like outside of their jurisdiction they're like going beyond their jurisdiction and forcing that upon them forcing I mean, the ritual upon, right. upon them. You're right. They're not pointing a gun at them. They just have every samurai swordsman in the house, out in the courtyard, watching, you know, ready to take him out at the moment's notice. I mean, it's not like... <laughs> they're gonna... It's gonna happen. They're gonna make no, it happen. Yeah, and it's like, well, doesn't that contradict the code? I mean, I know, I know they, I know in the film they justify it by saying like, okay, once your decision is made, your decision is made, you can't turn back from it. You know, that's what the clan says. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to dig into the minutia of like what the samurai yeah. code is. Yeah, because yeah, like, no, of course, it is what it is. I think if you do it at all, it's still seen as honorable, uh, unless of course you have. <clears throat> lost your top knot. Wink, <laughs> wink. Nudge, nudge. Whoopsies. Lost the top knot. <laughs> I mean, gosh. Um. You know what? Actually, do you know what I was thinking halfway through this? After we get the whole backstory of Chijiwa. Uh, leading up to his death, mm. this could totally be like a, a like a social security or Medicare like propaganda film. Like this is why we give money to social services. This is why we care to help the poor because the rich and powerful oh, do not. Yes, yes, 
I was also thinking about like, wait a second, wait a second. They live in times of peace because that's always that's brought up several times throughout the film. You know, you have these warriors. I mean, I know it's feudal Japan, so it's a little different, like societally how it's structured. But let's just, for the sake of argument, let's just kind of translate it to modern day society, where you have these samurai who are vital members of of society, who you know you could say are like the equivalent to soldiers or whatever. And I know in the states, I know in the states, basically, soldiers live. I mean, obviously, given what they have to go through, um, and selling their, their, literally selling their bodies to the American government and the American war machine, uh, you know that, you know they they are. I mean, they they have a lot of uh, public benefits. I mean, they literally live. Uh, in a um, a socialist nation, essentially, with all the benefits they have, um, which is good, which is good. I'm glad they have that. I mean, everybody should have that. But anyways, like all the all the social safety nets that U.S. soldiers have. But anyways, yeah, you know, you have these samurai, time of peace. They're out of jobs. They're poor, and you got all these other clans that can clearly like easily bring them in because they already have like hundreds of samurais under their their wing what what what's the harm in adding two more you know and they they say they say when they're having their interview with whoever the counselor or whatever that counselor tells them like cuz he's he's being like the go between for for uh the two samurai that come in and the, yeah. ha- the the lord the lord of the house like the head of the house and he's saying like you know the lord said not god but the lord of the house said like you know you guys would be great additions into our clan however since you guys said that you would do uh you would commit harakiri um you know unfortunately we can't let you into the clan but we'll let you kill kill your kill yourselves <laughs> in the name of the <laughs> It's like it's like these guys these guys are living in abject poverty and uh you know they could they could get their their yearly salary or whatever because they're samurai they're trained you know but it's it's peacetime so obviously they're not there's no war going on so they're not going to fight there's no there's nothing nobody to fight um but oh you know we can let you in uh but since you since you want to commit suicide go ahead and do that we're not going to help you The, I mean, the EE clan and their actions in modern day are the equivalent of yelling at a person without a home to go get a job. It's the equivalent of that. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't help anyone. It's redundant. And you're you're not assisting it anymore. Like you, you remember, not not even two episodes ago, the the tagline was "buy local," right? This is yeah. uh, this is gonna be like a little bit uh, similar to that. This isn't buy local. This is you know, support the poor, um, assist those in need, be good. <laughs> I guess. Hashtag be a good person. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's it, it, that it's trending. Like, 
but it's it's but it's even more damning of an image because this house or whatever this lordship represents a institution they're an institution in japan i mean at the time so they have somewhat of a responsibility to at least look after their own their own kind so samurai you know so it's like they they profess to be these honorable noblemen, these like amazing uh, warriors that are, you know, the most moral guys ever. Yet they won't even help out their own their own fellow brethren, you know, who are isolated and alienated from their own. Uh, uh, Institution, I suppose, I guess is a good way to say it. And I mean, in addition to that, the idea of you, the EE clan, using word as bond. You said you were going to do it, so we're going to make sure you do it. The idea to assume that all affairs are in order. Like, if again, if they continue to believe that their word is bond, and that all is well, and that all is true. If Chijiwa asks for a one to two day break and then come, will come back. Like there are plenty of you know incentives or things you can take or you know things to do to make sure that he comes back. And I mean, if he if you do believe that your word is is um truth. Like you should, I I think that they should be a little bit more understanding that you know, this desire to commit harakiri is true, but also this desire to be back in one to two days is also true. Like he came in not knowing that they were going to say yes. They say them saying yes changes things. He needs to you know let his family know. I mean, noted most samurai don't have families probably, but like. He, they, they, I, I, I think the double standard there is huge because then, um, Hanshiro is able to, you know, flip that around, flip it on its, on its ear and get the EE clan where, where it hurts and, and say that their word means nothing and demonstrate how they are cowards and they are just as dishonorable as the other ronin who go from door to door asking for a payment. Yeah, yeah. Because also, too, um, in the film, they mention that uh, there have been samurai that have gone to several different houses and have said, oh, I'll do, I'll commit harakiri, but then they like kind of swindle their way out of it. And ask for money, and then they leave. Um, so I, th- the EE clan was also kind of worried that they're gonna get uh, extorted, I guess. Um, yeah, a little but, bit. Yeah, but either way, it's like I don't think I think they should be taking care of their own, regardless. I mean, not be like, oh, we'll help you commit suicide. But I know, I mean, yeah, I mean, within the context of the, of the, uh, 
of the samurai code i guess i guess that makes sense i don't know but (laughs) um Also, too, I want to I want to mention like the 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 cinematography of this film. Man, is it beautiful? It's a beautiful film. Oh my god! I, I actually have a thought for why it's shot the way it is. Because it's of uh, there are there are a lot of very very stagnant shots over the full location in which a conversation will take place, but the camera won't move. And the way I came to view that is, again, the nobility of the ca- uh, the camera as being part of the environment, part of the court, part of showing respect. Like, the, um, it's not flashing between faces of people who are talking. It's basically in the same position as everybody. Like, when they're first debating um what to do with Chijiwa's um plea it's the camera set up at the back of the room and it's covering the whole room and we can see everybody who's in the room but we're not zooming in on who's who we're not seeing who's talking it's like we're in the room kneeling on the ground with everyone still um immobile respectful in custom with Japanese culture. Like, I thought it was so cool that, I mean, there's a lot of stillness with the samurai. There's a lot of stillness with the people, everyone's sitting. That's a huge part of, like, the blocking uh, and, and the acting. The camera is also an actor in that sense, and it stays still. That was my thought. I thought it was really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah, I mean, also too, my some of my favorite shots were because most of it, most of the film is shot within like the that courtyard in the house. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of interiors, but the very few exteriors we get, especially towards like the end when we see uh, Sugumo fighting, like dueling one of the uh, elite swordsmen of the of the clan. Like that shot of that that shot, um, that wide shot of them when they're walking through like that bamboo forest. When the camera goes in between the two bamboo like branch trees or whatever, you know what I'm talking about. You remember that shot? Yeah, I do. It's it like was- a very slow. It's like a super slow. Um, it looks like a crane. Like it's probably. It's probably like a crane shot, but like it like slowly moves in uh closer yep. and closer towards them as they walk on the path. But yeah, that shot was was magnificent. But yeah, the exteriors were were amazing. Um and yeah, I mean you you make a good point with the blocking and 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 whatnot, kind of being like a character in the film. Um They didn't need, you know, clever transitions or, you know, cool motion with the camera. Most of it is you just have to listen to the story, make your own yeah. decision. Yeah. Um. And speaking of the story, you know, obviously we mentioned 
Sagumo and Chijiwa were, were well, not related by blood, but Chijiwa was the son-in-law of Sugumo. Sugumo had a daughter and was also a widow. Um, and then they, you know, they had a child named Kingo, I believe, right? They named him Kingo. Kingo, right? yep. Yeah. And, you know, uh, this was during the peace time. And the film, I think, spans a course of what, like, 10 years nine years i forget how many it's like it's like over 10 years right his story is i want to say 11 years but he's hanshiro tsugumo dies in may of 1830 and uchijiwa is killed in like january Mm. And also, too, in the story when he's telling it before he commits the act, uh, Sugumo, he, you know, the one of the early kind of things that is revealed is that Chijiwa was the son of a close friend of Sugumo, or like it was like one of Sugumo's, uh, like, um, higher ups or whatever, like mm-hmm. one of the. I don't I don't know. I don't know how the hierarchy of power works in samurai clans, but one of his closer friends, I guess, and that's like his son and but his his um his clan, their house was in disrepair and the repairs were getting too expensive to maintain like the castle. And so mm-hmm. that kind of led to the demise of his clan. Um, and that that was the reason he beca- became homeless and was in poverty. Um, and so most of the, if not all of like the the clans, uh, like um, higher ups, I don't know, um, like the leaders or whatever, they all committed yeah. harakiri. They all committed seppuku. Um, and that's kind of how Chijiwa ended up in the hands and care of uh, Sugumo. Um, and it happened to be so that his daughter got married to him because, you know, that was kind of like the only guy that was around that she was in contact with or that he was in contact with. Because, I mean, it seemed to be the I case mean- that what are you going to say? I mean, they were interested in each other at the very least. It may be because of the limited contact, but yeah. Well, also too, I mean, was it normal? I mean, I'm not sure, but was it normal to be in a in an arranged marriage back then? Yeah, right. In that society, definitely. I'm assuming it is. I I would say definitely. I mean, yeah. 1950s America was still happening, so like. 1630s, 1620s Japan. I I highly doubt that they were that progressive. I don't think they were marrying for love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um Yeah, and then they have a they have a kid together. Um but then the but then the kid um gets ill. He falls down with an illness. 
And then the daughter also gets ill. And the baby dies. Um, But before he dies, though, Chijiwa leaves because he comes up with an idea to, like, get money. Because at that point, it was like they were at the bottom of the pit. They had no money, no food, nothing. Um, And so Chijiwa came up with an idea to go, I think it was, to to get a loan from some from he like was gonna he go, knew, yeah yeah he knew a lender um yeah high interest loan yeah to get a loan to get some money um because that was literally like the last resort that was the last thing they could think of um but ultimately you know he never returns and uh the baby passes away the the daughter passes away uh, shortly after that, um, and basically Sukuma was left by himself, uh, and then the body comes back after Chijiwa, you know, unceremoniously is forced to commit seppuku, and then he finds out like what clan did it, made him do it, and made him do it with the bamboo sword blade thing, which yeah. we already mentioned that was like something that kind of broke the honor code that all the samurais lived by and broke that respect. And so that led Sugumo down to the house and to kind of seek revenge in a way. But before he could do, before he did that though, he went on a, he went on a little secret mission. (laughs) I, I tell you the reveal there, that was the coldest thing I have seen in modern cinema. That was so, so slick. <laughs> he reaches inside his robes and he just... <laughs> Wait, is it, is the hair? The hair ties or hair knots? Like... <laughs> He's like... Oh. And he catches them too he catches him too he's like well our word in the ee clan we are bound by our weird our word we are honorable we are noble we are nothing like you liars who just want to get money you're moochers i tell you you're moochers who are feeding off the system do i sound like fox news yet okay good um (laughs) but he reaches in and he's like uh checkmate sir uh you're my th- top three requests of being my second, the person who will slice my head off after I cut into myself so I don't bleed out, but I still die. Uh, why aren't they here? Oh, they're all sick. Oh, goodness me. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that they're all sick. It that doesn't have anything to do, maybe, with... Or even the fact that they're sick and they don't even want to see your messenger couldn't have anything to do with maybe the fact that I have their hair, their top knot, their pony, their, their little ponytail that come, that sits on top of the head. That's a sign of nobility, a sign of respect, uh, a sign of honor. And without it, it's very difficult for a samurai to regain it. Oh, gee, it's not like I have one, two, three. Oh, what are the chances? <laughs> oh my god 
Yeah, because I mean, it's it's sort of hinted at towards the beginning when he laughs when he's like asking, requesting for them, and he's laughing, and I'm like, I initially thought I'm like, did he kill them? But no, he took it like weirdly a step, a step further. further, even though he didn't <laughs> kill them. But like he did take it a step further by <laughs> humiliating them by taking their hair off. <laughs> made it worse <laughs> yeah like like they cannot commit harakiri now and be honorable they can't regain that honor they're screwed basically yeah it's so fun it's so funny though it's like that's worse than getting killed you know i don't know getting a i just thought i just thought that was that was funny but i mean i guess it makes sense because in the situation where you're dueling another samurai and you're killed, I guess you're just not as good as the other samurai. That one, that's because you lost. But the fact that you were spared, but then your hair was taken off, I guess that's more humiliating because you were spared. Skill <laughs> issue. Skill issue for those samurai. <laughs> and and also the cherry on top. These were like the three best samurai. In that entire clan, they were like the, you know, they were proclaimed as the best swordsmen, the 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 highest skilled um, samurai in the entire clan. So for them to lose to some, well, he's not a bum, but in their eyes, a bum who's like eighteen years out of being in a fight, uh, and gets bested. <laughs> they all get bested by some. Like fifty year old dude out of his prime, <laughs> you know it's kind of like, what's going on here? You guys, you guys are kind of, guys are kind of mid. Those are your best, you know. I mean, it's so funny because it's like, he literally just, he literally just shows in front of the entire clan. Like you guy, your guys' best can't even beat me, and I'm not even. I'm literally like fifty, bro, out of my, out of my prime. <laughs> <laughs> my god oh wait you guys said you were expert swordsmen oh well i mean this is the, this must just be really embarrassing for you then huh mm-hmm. i haven't fought in like <laughs> forever <laughs> oh. um yeah and then and then after that reveal you know it's like and then he has that what he says he says the most you know the best line in the entire film um uh hold on i'm gonna find it he call he calls like the samurai honor code or whatever like a facade mm-hmm. you know it's all a facade and that's kind of what he was he mentioned that throughout the telling of his story because we kind of cut back and forth to to flashbacks of the story and then him in the courtyard uh and him kind of like talking to all the samurai. And mind you, there's like at least 30 different dudes in that courtyard just sitting around him, watching him. Um, and then you have the counselor who's in the center, who he's directly talking to throughout this whole time. Um, but yeah, he's kind of like a, he's directly um, battling and dismantling 
the sam this idea of the of the samurai way or or and more broadly i guess uh kobayashi whatever his grievances were at the time uh with whatever japanese whatever was going on in japan in the 60s i don't know i'm not a historian i'm not a japanese historian but uh i guess in a more let's just put it in in a modern context i guess uh like like we kind of alluded to or mentioned is these uh these people in power who profess and proclaim uh to be honorable uh yet in reality they're just hypocrites and they don't practice what they preach and are the worst types of people um so yeah yeah but even if they know it, and even if Tsugomo knows it, um, and calls them out on it in front of everybody, it doesn't matter. They double because down. At the end of the day, because <laughs> at the end of the day, Tsugomo is going to be dead, no matter how many he yeah. takes out with him. Which is yeah. four. He kills four, and he wounds seriously. I think eight more. Uh, as well as the three expert swordsmen who are then being told to commit harakiri. The first shot and the last shot of the film are on that book, the book of Lee clan that records their lore, everything that's happened uh, in their power, in their domain, inside the house, for record-keeping, for future reference, all that stuff. And the rec- the records show that they're still perfect. They're still flawless. Yeah. They get to control what what they're said. Uh, they're said has happened. They change. They control to say that both Chijiwa and uh, Tsugumo die of Harakiri. That even though the four people who die at Tsugumo's hand are killed by him, well, they 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 died due to illness. The eight wounded. Oh, illness. Them too. The three expert swordsmen who are told to commit Harakiri? Oh, also illness. They, they also died of illness. Ooh. Real, and it's real like bad stomach bug. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's that old saying like history is written by the victors. Um Yeah. Even though I mean they really took the massive L, they took a giant L. But Yeah. You know, ultimately they survived. I mean, Sugomo didn't kill every single one of them and completely wiped them out, turned into like Godzilla or whatever, and just destroyed it, destroyed the clan. But <laughs> I mean, you know, the big L's are all around. Say what you will about losing 15 men to one guy, uh, a 50 year old retiree. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think the real loss is the fact that they got blood all over that beautiful artwork that's oh, sitting right yeah, behind. The, the, that's, I assume that was like their crest or something. Yeah. Yeah, they that was such a power over shot. it. That was such a good shot. Oh, my God. I, I feel real that. bad for whoever had to clean that later. And then also, too, like, you know, because they have like samurai armor in one of the rooms who they kind of worship. Oh, yeah. Like the clan worships it, it or something. It's like a god or like whatever. The, I think it's like the the head of the household. 
symbolic like head of the um, um clan. Okay. I see. Yeah, because he, he grabs it and destroys it. Yeah, and tears it down. Literally him tearing down the clan single handedly. Symbolically, of course, but um I didn't get that. It's just like it well also I mean more broadly tearing down like the samurai code and ripping away the veil the facade and showing the reality of it of it all um cuz yeah I mean that final that final like fight battle sequence when he's literally fighting everybody in there by himself man went man went superman mode <laughs> I was like, I was like, how has he not died yet? How has he not, how has he not been killed yet? He's literally surrounded like 90% of the fight. He's surrounded. Not even 90%, 100% of the fight. He's surrounded. And he manages to kill four, severely wound eight, and then I guess kill three inadvertently. Um, Yeah. um, But... I mean, oh man, yeah, beautiful. Oh, so good. It's yeah, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I got I got nothing else. I mean, it it's impressive. And that's I, I like we were um, trying to do is make a a uh, line from, you know, samurai ethics to now ethics. Like it's still applicable. It's still good. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, man, yeah, this is a masterpiece. I think I I was like, yep, this 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 can be uh my top five at the end of twenty twenty four. Spoiler alert. This is why. This is why we uh. This is why we fund social security liberals. So that we don't lose 15 of our own men to a retiree who has no business being here, except you know for begging was... for a government handout. You know, you know, what was very funny to me during that whole fighting sequence was the fact that the counselor, like their second in command or whatever, he was just in that room, that empty room, hearing everything that was going on and just sat there in utter silence. <laughs> He dipped. Yeah. I'm not yeah, going to fight. Did. No, I got yeah, people for that. Dip. Yeah. It's like bro- blood Blood is like, I mean, ultimate hypocrite right there. Ultimate hypocrite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> blood was scared no, of a, blood was scared of a, of a, a dad who lost his daughter, grandson and son-in-law who's like 50 plus years old, out of his prime, hasn't gotten a sword fight in God knows how many years. I mean, come on, dog. Skill issue. He's a moocher. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, if he were were rich, he'd be looking for a tax break. Bam. (laughs) Sorry. I'm really punching below my belt here, but, you know, it's Uh... fun. So there we go. Um, but yeah, this was amazing. This was amazing. Go watch it. For those that haven't seen it, go watch this. This was incredible. Beautiful, too. And also, fun fact, 
couple fun facts before we move on to our next segment. This is the the highest rated film on Letterboxd. Is it really? Yeah, with a four point seven. Well, technically a four point six eight, based on ninety two thousand six hundred eight ratings. It is number one on the Letterboxd top two fifty narrative feature films list, just above Come and See. 12 Angry Men, Seven Samurai, and The Godfather Part 2. Wow. Um, yeah. I didn't know it was that and high. The other fun fact was, you know that the score too, score was impeccable. I loved it. Um, but with the score, you know that like kind of cr- crashing sound that occurs, like the that bong or whatever? Yes. Um, that, that sound... Wu Tang Clan has sampled that before. I I don't know. I think I I didn't look. I didn't look for it. Like I didn't go through their discography to find it. But I know I've heard it before because it sounded very familiar to me. And I was like, wait a second, did Wu Tang sample this? I know they definitely have because I've heard it. Um. I'm I'm guessing it's in 36 Chambers or one of like the solo projects, like from like when the members like did their own thing, uh, mm-hmm. did their own solo albums. But I know for a fact that I've heard that sound before, and I was like, wait a second, Wu Tang Wu Tang sampled this. But yeah, That's those are cool. my those are my fun little facts. Very good fun facts. <laughs> It's time. Is it time for our next segment? Yes, it is. All right. So, our next segment tonight is my own uh, little variety segment that I've been doing recently. This tonight's segment is called Bad Hair Day. Okay. So, as, as we as we discussed, uh, Tsuguma Hanshiro takes the top knots of the three swordsmen who brought Chijiwa's body back to him uh, uh, out of revenge, taking their honor from them for doing a dishonorable thing to his son-in-law. Um, for a little bit more context, um, if a samurai were to cut off his top knot, it would signify a major change. They would retire being a samurai and lose high status in feudal Japan. There would be no regaining status unless they were to secretly regrow their top knot back. Mm. So th- this is severe social disruption on the part of Tsuguma. So, in that same vein, who also stands to lose the most if their desired hairstyle? were to be cut off. So, uh, my, my, first, my first one on the, on the list is uh, the Mohawk. They stand, I think they stand one of the most to lose if the Mohawk itself is cut off, because then you kind of look like a little bit like a skinhead. You're kind of just buzz cut down to the scalp. There, there's nothing special going on. There's no dye. There's no color. You're just kind of all for a little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, 
Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> but, you know, on the exact opposite side of the field, those who get their hair cut off and they've got a reverse mohawk, they have the most to gain. Because instead of looking really, really stupid with a stripe down the middle of your head uh, cut out and you got hair on both sides, now you got nothing. You're starting fresh. Uh, you're clean, ready to go, baby. <laughs> um, I have also put, let's see, I also have the mullet. Uh, if you have a mullet, that is likely a big personality trait of yours. And if anyone listening has a mullet, how, how, what would you do? If your mullet were unceremoniously cut from your head, you wouldn't know what to do with yourself, right? There's no hair. There's no shiny locks shaking in the back of your neck. No, you're, you're gone. You're done. Th that's it. That's another year of growing out your hair for that look. Um, in the same vein, actually, you know, I had a, I had, well, I wouldn't call him a friend. I had someone that I didn't care much for who would always put his hair up into a, a man bun. Uh, back in high school. And yeah, I wonder what would happen if we just got rid of that. That's the modern equivalent of the top knot. What if we got rid of the man bun? Just, just you know, snip, snip. Slice it off. How do we feel about that? I feel great about that. Uh, I also have on here the ponytail. But I think that's just low-hanging fruit because it's quite literally low-hanging. And it's, again, just like the top knot, but for longer hair. Those with yeah. bull cuts, I'm sorry. You, there's no way you're going to look good. Unless, of course, you do. In which case, I apologize. Uh, but uh, uh, that is my list of, of, of current modern hairstyles that uh, would suffer the same fate as the three masters in the ee clan if their hairstyle were to also be unceremoniously removed from their scalp tristan <laughs> that's a good list um i uh i didn't expect that <laughs> that list to come <laughs> i was caught off guard um <laughs> who the mohawk the mohawk one was funny that's crazy Looking like a skinhead after. <laughs> That's insane. Um, I try. <laughs> oh, yeah. Who had the best drip? I mean, I don't know. For a film like this, it's kind of hard to say because they're all wearing the same thing. Yeah. I mean, I'd rather be Sagumo's black than the white. He's white. But yeah. you know, the yeah. black looks cleaner to me. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that'll do well, it. Yeah. Uh, we forgot to mention a little Oscar <gasps> noms. Oh yeah. Yeah. Our final bit. We got yeah. uh, Oscar nominations came out this week. What I mean, we missed it. They came out. Uh, they came out today as the time of recording. Indeed, I have a and few grievances. Not that many, but just a few, just a tad. You know, as I do every year. However, I will give the voters credit this year. I mean, it wasn't really their doing because 
2023 was uh, chock full of amazing films. I there wasn't there was a lot of stuff I saw that I really liked. So I'm not too mad about if you know my pick doesn't win this year. Unless it's like Oppenheimer or something. If it's like Oppenheimer or Maestro, then I'll be a little mad. But um you know, with that said, I am a little upset that uh May December you know, didn't get any nominations except for Best Original Screenplay. Like, where, where are the acting nominations? Where's my Natalie Portman Best Actress nomination? Where's my Charles Melton Best Supporting Actor nomination? I mean, that guy was incredible in that film. Where's my Todd Haynes Best Directing? And where's my Best Picture nom? Okay, so that's one. Two, uh, Greta Gerwig. What happened? Um, three... <laughs> Iron Claw. There's wow. no Iron Claw. Um, Casey, yeah. <laughs> crazy. Or what were you gonna say though? I, I I was just reacting to the Greta Gerwig. I agree. Holy cow! How do you not? Yeah. Like what? My my sister says to me, "Well, they nominated one woman, and they said, well, that's good enough." <laughs> well, Justine shout out Triette. to Justine Triette she, for Anatomy of a Fall. <laughs> She deserves it. And I mean, look, I, I director director is hard this year because there was so many great films. So at least for me, you know, if you looked at our story, you saw my dream ballet. I didn't put Greta Gerwig on Best Director. I put um it was let me think off the top of my head. Justine Trier, Triette, yep. and then Celine Song. And yep. and then I put uh, Lanthimos, Glazer, and Todd Haynes, right? Bingo. Yeah, those are my five. And I'm, I would, I'm, I, I think, I think that's a good. I know, I know you disagree because there's no Gerwig there, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, this isn't her best film, so I mean, she I belongs true. there. She belongs there. I, she deserves a nomination. I don't disagree. I mean, for for the current Best Director slate that we have, so we have Justine Trier, Scorsese, Nolan, Galantimos, and Glazer, I would take out Christopher Nolan, swap him out for Greta Gerwig. See, I would do the, almost That's the same correct. thing. I would, I would kick Scorsese. I mean, to me, the director has a vision for how they're going to make this thing happen. And then they have to execute with their, all, of, all of their design departments. That's the job of the director. They have to figure out how the heck they're going to show this. They're gonna, they got the vision. They're going sh- to they're, they're show it. And I think there's something a little bit more imaginative, something a little bit more captivating about doing a great job with Barbie than with Killers of the Flower Moon that runs almost twice the length of Barbie. See, I disagree. I think Scorsese okay. was impeccable in Killers of the Flower Moon, but I wouldn't I wouldn't have been upset if he was not nominated because he has won the Best Director Oscar already for The Departed, so it's not like he needs to be there. So I guess from that, at least to me, from that perspective, like, you know, I wouldn't be mad if he wasn't there. Point is, though, I think bottom line is, I think Ger- Gerwig definitely should be there. 
I agree. She was she yeah. was definitely snubbed. And same with Celine's song. I mean, I haven't seen Past Lives, but I know all the reception behind it and like all the rave and praise for it. So she probably deserves to be on there too. So if you take off Scorsese and Nolan and swap them out for both of the both Gerwig and Song, I think that would be a really good slate for best director. I mean, did you have more takeaways as well? Oh, um, I have a big one. Uh, I, um, oh yeah, uh, who who? Okay. What's with this Nyad uh, film? I never have yeah. heard of this. I never heard of this until I saw these nominations. So I looked I looked a little into it. Apparently, it's like a biopic of some swimmer who swam yeah. to like Florida or like from Florida to Cuba or something. Something like that. Something like that. Swimmer. Yeah. Swam the Straits of Florida, I think that's what it is. Okay. Yeah, Cuba to Florida. Like, without a shark okay. cage. Cuba to Florida. Okay. But like who okay. I can't name a single person who's seen this film in my film circles. <laughs> I never even heard of this until today. And even though this film existed until today. You know what I mean? I'm like, what? Who? 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 I mean, no disrespect to Jodie Foster or Annette Benning. I don't know who that is. I don't know if you know who that is, but I don't know. You don't know Annette Benning? Are you serious? <laughs> Are you serious right now? <laughs> hold on, hold what on. the? Let me see <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Let me see your film. Oh. oh, she's in 20th Century Women? Oh, I've seen that. And American Beauty. Yep. Oh. She's in The American President with Michael Douglas. Um, what else is she in? I mean, for God's sake, she was in a Marvel movie. She was in Captain Marvel. Uh, she well, was in... I don't watch Marvel movies, so come on. She's in a bunch of stuff with Robert Redford. Come on. Really? <laughs> An- Annette Benning. I've seen oh 20th Century. I love 20th Century Women. I didn't even know that was her. I didn't know. I saw it in Benning's name, and I was like, oh, she was really good in that film, and then never remembered her. That's Clearly. tragic. And I've seen American Beauty, too, and that film's great as well. And she's, like, one of the main characters, and I didn't really... I don't know. I guess her name's not that memorable to me. That's why I didn't recognize You're that a name. Monster. <laughs> oh boy. Oh god. That was bad. That was really bad. <laughs> Shut up. Whatever. Whatever. Point is she doesn't belong. She doesn't belong here. She doesn't deserve this nomination. Damn. It should have you well, know we'll just you have to see. You know what best actress should have said it should have been like? This is what best actress list should have been. Kaylee Spaney, Lily Gladstone, Sandra Hiller, Emma Stone, and uh 
who who did I say? What was my other person? Did you say Lily Gladstone yet? I said Lily Gladstone. Who was my other? Oh, Natalie Portman. Those would be that 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 those five would that would be a perfect best actress slate. And uh, anyway, I would have I'm also done with accepted. Rants. I'm okay. done with the rants. I would have also accepted Margaret Qualley and uh, Margot Robbie. Just want to uh, put that out there as well. Margot Robbie successfully portraying a fictitious character in a in a the every woman uh kind of stereotype in a film about women made by women for women uh and then the acting nomination goes to Ryan Gosling for Ken which is pretty funny America uh, America know, Ferreira also gets the nomination that's true I, I'm glad about that. I'm very happy about that. But Margot doesn't. It's so yeah, funny, though. Exactly. That's so funny. <laughs> I mean, really. But the um, oh. the main point that I kind of want to make about this, this year's award seasons, is that there were a ton of, like, big-name blockbuster kind of movies. There was Barbenheimer. Scorsese made a new movie. Um, let's see, what, Scorsese, Christopher Nolan, Yorgos Lanthimos, um, I mean, Maestro is pretty big, I think, in my IMO, um, I mean, and, and then there were a number of really, really high quality, you know, supplemental films that came out featuring a lot of high-powered acting, um, Paul Giamatti in The Holdovers, yeah. love it. Um, uh, past lives, captivating, fantastic. Um, Anatomy of a Fall, spectacular. Mm-hmm. What I worry will get lost about this year is that because all of these kind of came out, because it felt very, very predictable that the uh, the ten that landed in the Best Picture conversation would do so. I mean. I have a spreadsheet of every kind of award show and what what what's getting accolades. What should I watch in time for award season? Oscar Best Picture was literally the top ten films that I had listed down there uh, that that were getting most of the nominations. Oppenheimer, Poor Things, Killers of the Flower Moon, Barbie, Maestro, American Fiction, Anatomy of a Fall, The Holdovers, The Zone of Interest, and Past Lives. Like, it's literally the best picture from the Golden Globes, but minus May, December, and, uh, um, what was, what was it? I don't know. It was one of them. Air. <laughs> Which, good, thank God. Oh, air, thank air, God it wasn't air. air. Um, <laughs> but I think what what's gonna get lost is that there were a ton of really, really other, good other movies that came out this year. Uh, that I hope, you know, doesn't get lost on people. Rye Lane, uh, The Iron Claw, um, oh gosh, what else? Um, Asteroid City, that I was a huge fan of. Um, What did you say? May, December. May, December, right. Uh, That only had two nominations. Um, Oh, wasn't it right? Or No, just one. one. For screenplay. Best original screenplay. That was it. Absolute, Absolute robbery. Um, God, like, uh, all of us strangers, there's, um, I mean, there's musicals, the, the, the revival of the movie musical, 
Yeehaw. <laughs> that I was in, I was enjoying that. I was enjoying the the, revi- the rise of the musical uh movie musical. I mean, a ton of animation that hopefully doesn't uh-huh, get overlooked yeah, like Boy and Heron. Yeah. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Um There are a ton of really, really, truly great movies that also came out this year that just because they maybe weren't the blockbuster director or the stars means they might not get the same attention. So do do watch the movies that are nominated. Uh, They're nominated for a reason. They're all very solid. But make sure that you don't forget about the supplemental ones that are down below. I mean, I loved Sanctuary with Christopher Abbott and Margaret Qualley. No nominations, still a great movie. Tristan? Dude, also Priscilla. I know you didn't I know you weren't a big fan of Priscilla, but I yeah. loved Priscilla. That didn't get a single nomination. Didn't get exactly. A I didn't love it, but it's still solid. Still really really solid. I loved that Priscilla, man. Oh but yeah, I mean, yeah. it's a testament to this year in film or 2023 in film. I mean, there was so many good films that came out this year. Uh, True. I mean, the list is long. Um, Very long. In comparison to previous years, this is easily the strongest of this decade. Uh, it's not yeah. even a competition. It blows out last year, the year that the 2020. Uh, 2021 out of the water, 2020 out of the water, uh, and 2022 out of the water. Um, and I mean, yeah, it's the best the best year for film since 2019, because that film that year was also stacked with a lot of uh, amazing work. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, I think I think overall, I'm not like that upset. Uh, over the nominations again, I am I'm a little peeved by May December being robbed, Iron Claw being robbed, uh, Priscilla being robbed, but majority of what I loved, especially the Zone of Interest being being here uh, quite a lot, really makes me happy because and Poor Things too, because um, mm-hmm. I love those films. So, you know, I won't be too angry. I mean, we'll get to that when we have our episode for the Oscars, obviously, in March. Mm-hmm. But the voters, they it, it's very difficult, in my eyes, for them to mess this year up. It's true. The only way that they can mess this year up is if they pick Oppenheimer or Maestro for, like, Best Picture... I will be very, very upset if I if those two films win Best Picture. I will be livid because I would like to note to our audience that Maestro hasn't been seen by Christian uh, by Tristan. No, yet. I know I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet. And, but I'm just look. I'm basing it off of the people in my film circle who I follow on Letterbox and their reception of it. And you know, I was really excited to see it this year. I when that trailer dropped earlier in 2023. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm really looking forward to this. But then, you know, it released and people weren't, you know, that that uh, that high on it. But I'll still watch it. I'm still going to watch it before the Oscars. So, I mean, my opinion on that may change. I'm not sure. But um, I'm assuming uh, I'm going into it with my expectations lowered. Um, 
So, you know, I'm not going to disappoint myself too much. <laughs> Damn. And, you know, so, uh, but Oppenheimer, though, please, like, I swear, don't look. I know you've, I know the voters have snubbed Nolan throughout his, throughout his career. Please do not pity pick him. Do not pity pick him. I swear to God, if the voters pick Nolan because they haven't picked him yet for any awards, I mean, well, I mean, come on, especially this year, especially this year, it's Jover, dude. It's Jover. Jover. I'm done. Me and the Oscars, done. That would be worse than last year. Be worse than last year. I'm saying that right now. Mm. Dang. You were really upset too with um Michelle Yeoh. Dang. Uh, I don't like I, I, I loved know. watching your reaction. It was so fun. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it can top uh Roma losing to uh Green Book though. That that's easily like the worst of the worst. That will forever be like the number one worst best picture pick of all time in my eyes. I know Crash is like at the top of everybody's list. <laughs> For worst best picture winner, but like Green Book over Roma is a crime. That's like a crime that all voters need to be that voted for Green Book as best picture that year. They need to be jailed immediately. Same with all those we're, that pick Oppenheimer this year. They need to be jailed immediately. I'm just kidding. That was a joke. Going to, that was a joke. We're just going to get off of the topic of rants and say thank you for listening to this episode of the Cinematic Odyssey. We'll be back next week with a new episode of what? Who knows? We'll tell you later. Um, featuring brand new segments. There will be uh, new announcements coming forward about new social media presence, presences, new ways we're going to market ourselves, and new ways for you to interact with us and hopefully talk more about movies with us. And we'll see how that goes. But, uh, yeah. A lot of exciting things coming your way in the year 2024. Um, the, not the least of which being more exciting movies because, you know, think, due to the writer's strike and the actor's strike back in uh, April and May, uh, stretching into the fall, a lot of projects that were supposed to come out last year in an even more loaded year uh, got pushed to this year. So, I mean... There's still a lot of good stuff to come, so be ready for it. It's going to be good. Yeah, sorry. Sorry for the rant. Sorry. That was all a joke at the end there, okay? Don't. Please. For the for the people that listen, if you are a voter, which I doubt. I don't know. I doubt we have any people that are Academy voters that listen. Um, so, But if you are, I'm sorry for offending you. That's my bad. I got a little heated. Heated gamer moment. Um. But yeah, just don't disappoint me. Just don't just don't don't vote Oppenheimer. It's not that hard. Don't vote Oppenheimer. <clears throat> and don't vote Christopher Nolan for best director. It's, it's not that hard. And on that note. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, thank you for listening. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it if you're not going to. I never you say, say it. <laughs> I'll I'll say it. I'll say it. I'll say it. Yeah. Thank you for listening, yeah, everybody. Um, catch you guys next week. Um, have a good week, good day, good night. And um, this has been Harakiri, Cinematic Odyssey, forever. <laughs>